0: Christianity, where we seek to find culturally aware, biblically nuanced in Jesus embodying responses to current day issues. I'm excited to have Dorcas Smucker on the podcast today. Now, some, I, I'm assuming most of you will be familiar with Dorcas Smucker and her work. She is an author. She's written several different books. I'll link her blog and books in the show notes. But some of the ones that I remember my mom reading to us kids and or, or at least reading herself and then talking about it a lot was upstairs The Peasants Are Revolting, Tea and Trouble Brewing, Fragrant fragrant Whiffs of Joy, Ordinary Days, and I know she recently published a book, I think it's called Coming Home to Roost, something like that. She's written seven books total. They're all about family life and children and, and things that she processes in all of that. And so just very interesting books, kind of obviously... Anybody raising a family can identify with it. And it's a mixture of laughter and, and tears and kind of thought provoking thoughts. I've, I've enjoyed personally following her blog and just watching how she interacts with some, sometimes just very basic practical questions, but then some other times like a little more in depth. And there was an article a few years ago, a couple years ago that she wrote about parenting and breaking a child's will that really caught my eye and we go into it further that's kind of the basis that i was like i ah, i need just need to have dorcas on and, and talk about this and so i recently reached out to her and she was gracious enough to oblige we we do have a fairly lengthy conversation and so i'm not able to have all of it on for the free version here but if you're interested in the expanded version consider becoming a member of unfaing christianity we continue the conversation there as well but in this Part of it, we have a good hour talking about parenting, talking about unique experiences of, of being a pastor's wife, teacher's wife, and an author. We get into all kinds of stuff. I, I hope, trust, fairly confident you'll enjoy the conversation here. I'd love to hear at the end of it what, what you found helpful, what you, what you enjoyed, any questions you have. So if you're watching this on YouTube or on the blog, if, Don't hesitate to leave a comment. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this, feel free to shoot me a message at podcast at asherwhitmer.com and just yeah, share your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Here's my conversation with Dorcas Smucker. With Dorcas Smooker. Welcome to Unfamed Christianity.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: The Smookers from Oregon have been, I don't know if I'd say longtime family friends. I've heard about, my mom has, like from a very young age, my mom followed your writing. And so we, I'm not sure that I've actually ever read, personally read any of your books, but my mom would read them to us, or at least significant oh. portions of them. And so, so I'm very familiar with your books and, and have followed your blog. And in more recent years, I've, I've worked, uh, part-time somewhat with your daughter, Emily, with the same agency and, and then also worked, uh, did some writing for open hands, which, which your oh, right. husband, yeah. Paul is, is a part of, and so had some connections. I think, I think one of the most meaningful connection, and and you probably may not know this, but as a young aspiring author, I remember visiting your family. I don't know if I was even 18 yet, but I was wanting to write. And I remember you, you made the point, forget how you worded it, but something to the effect that whatever you envision for writing, I forget if it was specifically a book or just like writing career like understand that it will probably take a very different look, and that's okay some something along that line of just like being okay with you you have a vision when you set out and it it'll it'll turn into something different, whether that's self publishing not necessarily getting a big writing contract or whether that's, I don't know what all you meant by that, but I've thought about it a lot as I have continued to write and, and then it's been very meaningful every now and then you have messaged me and just blessed me in the faithfulness of writing or I, yeah, there again, I'm not recalling specifically what you said, but I find that very meaningful. Even though I don't know you super well personally, just as someone who i look to who has had a successful writing career probably the closest thing to a, a direct mentor of mentor figure in that realm in the anabaptist world of just for the long haul plugging out continuing to write and so yeah thank you thank you for those words you you probably didn't even realize you were making that big of a difference when you said them but They've been meaningful. No,
1: I did not know that, um, but I have enjoyed following you. And of course, just felt that connection with your mom for many years because we got to know each other when we were in Canada and she and I both had babies. And it's not that we were close friends, but we just connected every so often.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so for, I think my audience is gonna be fairly familiar with, with you, but Dorcas Smucker, what is the name of your blog, just Dorcas Smucker? Um,
1: it's life in the shoe. So it's, um, life in the shoe or the blog is, um,
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, life in the shoe is, was that the name of one of your books? One of your first books? No, no. Okay.
1: No, it just kind of evolved as a blog name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the book that I remember the most that mom would have read out of was upstairs. The peasants are revolting or something like that. (laughs) Is that, <laughs> I don't want to get your titles wrong, but yeah, I remember no, okay. remember her reading quite a bit of that and um, you've written, how, how many books total have you written?
1: Um, seven.
0: Seven, okay.
1: Yeah, seven that are all collections of essays and family life stories, just published the last one and mm-hmm. it probably will be the last one because the kids are all adults and so, It's a different dynamic with, with writing about them and telling their stories. Like you just can't do that. Like when they were 13.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the last one about your kids or the last book period?
1: Um, the last one about my kids, I have lots of ideas for other books.
0: Yeah. 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 I was going to say just some of the back and forth that we've had even in prep for this podcast is like, that hopefully, maybe one day, you'll write on some of those things as well. But you, uh, what, what's the name of your most recent book? I should um, have gathered it's coming that Coming home
1: to roost.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Okay. With a theme of chickens, adult children, you know, the things that come home to roost, life choices.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's good. I, so, so yeah, a lot of your writing has been about family, about life as a family, the different your, your Paul, your husband has been, is is currently, or has been a pastor and teacher. I'm not sure if he's still currently in those roles.
1: Pastor and teacher for many years, pastor for 25 years. And then it all came to a very abrupt end when he was seriously injured three years ago. So we've been regrouping and trying to figure out what we're supposed to do now. And it's been quite a, Mm -hmm. It's been quite a journey. That might be a book someday, just when your life changes in an instant.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I follow your writing your blog every now and then I'll, I'll see an article that really catches my eye and read it. It's interesting. I write, I I don't know if you find this or not. I, I do writing and I do a fair amount of podcasting, at least recently, but I actually am consuming not as many blog blogs or podcasts as maybe I put out I'm not sure or at least they're very what I do consume is fairly targeted in a topic I'm writing on or something that so I don't get to all your articles but I I really enjoy first of all I just your writing style is something that I have often thought that man if I could one day write like Dorcas then (laughs) then I think I will have (laughs) Arrive just the way you're able to make fairly profound points in almost like backhanded ways in in telling a story the the way of setting up a point in story form and that's something I feel I'm far from but
1: let me just say please make sure that you sound like Asher when I mean yeah <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure I I. I, uh, I mean that as a compliment, but I don't, wanna, I don't want to, uh, yeah. I know what it's like to, to read somebody else and it sounds like they're trying to be somebody else too, and, and, yeah. and that doesn't have the same effect either.
1: But I accept the compliment. I, I appreciate
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> have you been blessed by the work of Unfeigned Christianity? If so, I invite you to go deeper by becoming a member of Unfeigned Christianity on Patreon. All of our work is designed to help Christians find culturally aware, biblically nuanced, and jesus embodying responses to current day issues. And we could not do it without the support of our members. As a part of the membership, you get to go deeper into sorting through what does it look like to faithfully embody Jesus in a world and in our culture and time. There are three main tiers of membership. If you become an advanced member, which is the middle tier, I will send you a free copy of Lori and Matt Creek's book, An Impossible Marriage. This is the best marriage book I've read. If you become an advanced member this month, I'll send you a free copy. Now, here's the really good deal. When you do an annual membership, you get 16% off. If you'd like to see more details, just visit asherwhitmer.com forward slash member. You, you published an article a few years ago, and I, again... I was going to look up the title because I'm not sure the title does the title have to do with parenting? Do you you remember the article I'm talking about? Um, It's,
1: was it about breaking the will? Was it that one?
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe it had, maybe it was something about breaking the will. Actually, I think it was like a, at you, you were doing ask Aunt Dorcas articles or something. I think it may have been one of those. So a question that had been submitted to you, you were responding to. Yeah. And well, yeah, what I was going to say, let me back up the the different things that you write about. I I'm often really encouraged and challenged. I'm sure like, like myself, I'm sure you've dealt with s- fair amount of criticism. <laughs> you maybe don't get into as openly controversial things as I do sometimes, but you've been doing it for a lot longer. And so I'm sure you're, sometimes when you hear, oh, I read your blog or I follow your blog, the, uh, the question in the back of your mind can be, uh, are you one of those critics or one of those <laughs> people who is benefited from it or appreciates it? But I've, I really, I've really benefited from it this article that came out uh, feels like it was a couple years ago about parenting was one that uh, both my wife and i read and it it was maybe a it may have as much to do with the season of life we were in at the moment as anything you actually said but i came away wanting to cry (laughs) and i don't mean that as a slam against you I don't remember if I did cry. I may have, but I just remember Dorcas was writing about parenting and she gives so many like refreshing and new insights that are often helpful. And then the insight that she gave in that article as, as a, a sort of a new approach to parenting in contrast to the maybe a little more controlling style of parenting and being sure to break their will and so forth what whatever your contrast to it was either we had already tried or like Mm -hmm. with some of our children in in mind like we knew the outcome and it just felt like because i I think i told you for me like it's it's honestly been a long time since i've read a parenting book partly because i've i've read a number of them and and i it just like, it, they're great, they're helpful, but it doesn't answer my situation, or it doesn't. Um, I, I'm facing situation with my kids that's like, how is that supposed to work here? Or it didn't work like the book said, or it didn't. And so it like the the desire to cry or the temp, yeah, the feeling of crying was more like, even Dorcas couldn't like solve all my problems. <laughs> and so yeah, I've for a while I've wanted I've been thinking oh, I should I should talk with Dorcas about this. And and so more recently, I've been getting back into podcasting and working up courage of getting people on to interview that, that interact with things that I don't necessarily already have kind of a settled conclusion on and stuff. And so I was like, well, I should reach out to Dorcas and see if there's a ton of stuff that we could get into, we'll probably get into. But I think we'll start just kind of with parenting in this I think I sent you the question. So how, yeah. How do you teach children to honor, to obey without controlling them? I think maybe we'll start that as the launching pad and that'll lead to various conversation, various follow-up questions and so forth. But yeah, maybe I'll just let you go from there. Like how, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it was good to hear from you about your situation and how my advice did not fit. And I, And I think that's, that's important because it's not a formula and, you know, we have six children and I used to say we needed a completely different manual for each one because they were so different. Hmm. And so I hope um, anything that I say or write that people know, this is my perspective, but I'm not the Holy Spirit. You know, you're a grown up with the Holy Spirit and you don't have to agree with me. You can dismiss, you know, it's, I don't set myself up as an expert, you know. And I realized also that I base my um, conclusions on how I was raised and what affected me both positively and negatively, and also with our children and how our parenting evolved over the course of time from the oldest to the youngest. And now one thing that I'm adamant about is that Ultimately, it's about yourself and you parent out of who you are. And if you are unhealed, unhealthy, Hmm. that will affect your parenting in profound ways. And a lot of the details, I mean, parenting is tough, especially if you have very active, curious, strong-willed children, like it, it's really challenging. And there's not, a, you know, you give yourself points for surviving because it's not easy. And hmm. so, yeah, so my conclusions came from, okay, so my parents came from the Amish. They were, you know, Amish from way back. And so uh, shame is a big part of that culture. And I think my parents also felt they were older when they got married they were more educated than most and so i think they felt pressure to be an example and to do it right mm-hmm. and i came along and i was i was just a lot and like one thing i remember is i was the child that was always saying things out loud like um my family tells the story of uh my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister And I was six years old, I had no clue what was happening. But I made the statement, mom is fat. And I feel like that was so typical, because there were all these unspoken things that you were not supposed to say. And nobody ever said, don't say this out loud. It was just understood. And if you said the things you were an embarrassment, and you were were ashamed for that. So that was kind kind of the story of my life. And so that became a goal with my children that you're allowed to say things out loud. Like what you see and hear, Hmm. you can say that. But I still feel feel like I did not begin to um, process some of my own childhood trauma and shame until I was a lot older. And so my older children very much, they were damaged by that because I was way too concerned about what people thought I did not give much grace. Um, I spanked way too much. And so, okay, so my my advice for parents now comes out of that experience rather than what I'm Mm -hmm. seeing or practicing within. I don't have young children. I don't have grandchildren. Yeah, so I think that the big thing for me is that you pursue personal healing. And if you find yourself just reacting just out of proportion. These huge emotions and this feeling of shame and this paralyzing fear and this feeling like everybody else gets to say what's true about your child or you as a parent. I mean, all those things are, they're triggers and Hmm. you probably need some healing. The other thing with shame is that shame does not acknowledge what's age appropriate for a child. Hmm. So if you have a two-year-old who's tired and hungry and they're crying and fussy and frustrated. A shaming parent will just act like they're a freak and they're embarrassing and they're naughty for acting how two-year-old that. And it's not that you should excuse any behavior. It's like you, you approach it from the sense of, this is normal for this age. I don't need to freak out. What do they need? Do they need some to be taken out of the situation for a bit? Are they not ready for this situation, like church, family gathering, uh, restaurant meal, whatever? Like, because I feel like parents have a way of putting young children in situations that they're not at all ready for, and I did that. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so those are looking back; those are the big things that stand out to me. Yeah, the whole thing of grace. Like, I feel like when I had young children, there is this prevalent teaching that oh my goodness you have got to win this battle today or you it's it's a lost cause your child's going to end up on the streets addicted to drugs like you have to win this battle today well that's not true that's absolutely not true and there's a lot of grace there's a lot of second chances Hmm. and so if you're Working with a child on a behavior or attitude or whatever, and what you're doing isn't working. It's okay to back off, ask for help, talk to your spouse, reevaluate, try something else. There are lots of second chances.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I appreciate that point. I I think I'm not sure if it's fair. Like, if I can't recall a quote or a specific saying that communicated this so maybe it's just my own um, misreading but it's it seems like there can be this tendency or this feeling from a lot of christian parenting books or teachers that you you have to get it right and then you have to be consistent and any changing is inconsistency and then <laughs> and then that like ruins the whole process and i know i've i've lived with some of that Pressure. And yet, and yet I've, I agree. Like, I've seen even some of the most powerful parenting times I think have actually been in the moment, like realizing on the face of my child that my tone must be something that I'm not intending it to be because it is shutting them down and, and just apologizing, mm-hmm. like, stopping in the moment, apologizing, mm-hmm. and like totally changing courses. And so I agree. I don't think, I think there's a lot more space for. Brokenness and kind of navigating it all together than maybe what we've Ooh. sometimes give can be given. Hey friends, this podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Dwell app. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Dwell audio Bible app, but this app is phenomenal. It, it's changed my life in several different ways. As a Bible college student, I do tremendous amounts of Bible reading throughout the semester, more than I normally do, and I'm not a fast reader. And so one of the ways that I have been able to keep on top of the Bible reading is through the Dwell app. One, one of the things I really like about it is there's very meditative, reflective music played in the background of the reader. So it's not dramatized. Some some audio Bible apps are dra- dramatized, and that's a little, I don't know not my cup of tea, but it's a very calming and just peaceful way of having the bible read to you there's also there's at least 15 i think there's close to 30 by now different voices that you can choose from there's many different translations you can choose from for the esv i think there's maybe two or three voices if that makes sense but there's over 15 voices for sure and so you can have a female voice you can have a male voice you can have a british accent you can have an american accent you can have a canadian accent or a well, I like the British accent, so I listen to the Bible in the British accent, and it's it's been a really, really good way to keep on top of my homework, but also, I have found, sometimes I'll be listening to audio Bible as I commute someplace, or as I'm doing some other work, or even in the morning, sometimes it's hard to wake up, you're tired, and to sit down and read, it literally feels like an intellectual exercise, you're just like school, like starting your day with school. And I love learning things, but I'm not like, I don't do well at starting my day with school. And so when you wake up and you're tired, but you want you want to meditate on the word of God to just put in my air, AirPods and listen to the dwell app is an incredible way to start my morning, just in peaceful worship, meditation. I hear things differently when i hear it being read than when i read it i personally think you should read and hear it both but that's one thing i like about audio bible is different things stick out that didn't stand out before i'll listen to it as i'm going on a run or something and i can't say enough good about the dwell app and so if you would like to take your meditation your bible reading to another level you can also if you're not able to sleep at night you can put in your airpods and Listen to the scripture being read and falls asleep that way i've used that at times as well but you can start for free there's a link in the description below or you can go ahead and purchase the the annual plan which i have and it's to me it's very much worth it just in the way a couple things the way it helps me uh meditate and kind of a fresh view a fresh experience with scripture and then also the way it helps me keep on top of my homework it's been very helpful for me so this whole thing of, of breaking will so that was I, I don't even know you you probably know better than i do who popularized that idea or where that teaching came into it's something that i grew up with i i like you i was the strong-willed problematic one i think i think you said that about yourself. I, maybe I mis, um misunderstood you. But I was that in my family. And, uh, and so I grew up very much hearing, not from my parents, really, just in different teachings and stuff so that they would have, whether it was a video or somebody at church, you know, the idea of breaking a child's will, you're sp- what's the saying, you're supposed to break their will, but not their spirit. It was kind of the the thing. And so I've I've taken that into my own parenting some, especially I I taught school a few years and seeing like when a student when they're used to willing, you know, getting what they
1: mm-hmm.
0: want or negotiating into till it fits their their parameters, that can be very frustrating to interact with and relate with but I do kind of in my own parenting have, have been on this. My wife and I have been on this journey of like, are we, are like, when, when are we too controlling in our kids? Like they, I think you alluded to it. The way God is gracious with us in, in disciplining us. That's something I think Bible college has actually been almost more convicting of me in my parenting than any parenting book Mm -hmm. and just like discovering how God walks with the disobedient and the you know the the people of Israel as a whole what are yeah could, could you say more on this notion of breaking a child's will what role does that play how do we train children to Yeah. Is it important to break their will? And if it's not important to break their will, how do you train the child to honor and to respect?
1: You know, I, okay. As far as where that came from, I had thought it came from, or some people said it came from Michael and Debbie Pearl, but my husband said that was actually a popular idea when he was a child. So that was way before Hmm. the pearls. So I'm not sure Mm -hmm. where it came from. And I think it's important that children, I mean, obeying and respecting and honoring, that's scripture, and at the end of the day, parents are the adults, yeah, they're the adults in the room, and they're legally and morally responsible, and so there is a sense where it has to be taught. I I don't have easy answers there, honestly, because certainly with our oldest child, I attempted to, I don't know if I called it breaking his will, but to just punish him into doing what I said, exactly how I said. And it wasn't working and I asked for advice and unfortunately got really terrible advice from older moms, I'm not sure hmm. how that works. And it took me a long time to discover how damaging that was.
0: I was just gonna clarify how damaging it was just to you or did you try to implement that advice then? In it damaged your child.
1: It damaged my child because I, I was mm. like, okay, well, you know, if you spank till their cry changes to a submissive cry, that kind of stuff, mm. you know, it just didn't work. It, it uh, didn't change his behavior and he became very angry. Well, then that's a whole other thing. So I have a lot of regrets about that. And as far mm. as I think, yeah, it came out of my own desperation and shame and, not recognizing what was normal or what was important with my youngest children, younger children. I was much more chill as one is by five and six, um, or your fifth and sixth children. You know, it's like, mm. this will work itself out. You have a much better idea of what will work itself out and what's concerning, you know, which at mm. uh, this not much help for you, but, um, basically not everything has to be a battle. Mm. And. If whatever you're doing isn't working, you don't keep doing it or you don't do more of it. But at the same time, like you say, it is important to for them to know that they're not the center of the universe. And if you say that they need to buckle in in the car or an airplane or that this behavior, how they're treating a friend at school, that's not okay. I mean, hmm. I think so, so much of it is expectations and modeling. I don't, I don't totally endorse the Ezos, but I did learn the whole thing from them about teaching your child that they're very important and what they feel that matters, but everybody is important. And so, and your behavior affects everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And so you think in terms of Okay, I want to do this, but how does that affect people around me? Like a young hmm. child wants to run around in the foyer at church, and so you well, no, because there's old grandmas here, you don't want to knock them over, your behavior affects them. Yeah, I don't know. Children yeah. children are interesting and they need a lot of <laughs> a lot of guidance and teaching, and some of them just pick up proper behavior and how to treat people. And some have to be taught very much inch by inch. Yeah, I feel like the the long drawn out battles with your child, uh, that does not seem productive. I think the, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, I would try to have more natural consequences that if you, I don't know, if you hit your sister, then you'll have to be separated like in a different room for a while or, um, more of that kind of consequences, but you know, I don't have young children now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, and, and for, for my audience, I, I told Dorcas ahead of time It's like, I, I have some fairly raw questions about this so I may ask some things that, that sound challenging and it's just from a genuine, like trying to work this out, you know? find out how to how to flesh this out practically in my situation and i said like she's I, I want her to feel free to like challenge me and push back on anything that i'm maybe i'm asking the wrong question or looking at the wrong wrong part of this but your your whole mention of like first of all i appreciate what you shared that that it was helpful your mention of a child hitting his sister so putting them in separate rooms i have a couple children that like telling them to do that particularly like yeah particularly if they're worked up to the point where they hit their sibling they would refuse to do that they would be very angry and so then we like that can escalate and you yeah. you need to go to your room you know but they refuse like will refuse And we can strip away different privileges and almost, it almost makes them double down even more. Um, We can entice them through rewards and it's just like, well, in the moment they don't really care about anything other than they're not going to go to their room. And so I think that's one of the things that my wife and I feel somewhat exasperated by sometimes because it does feel, and for context, we have three boys, one girl and, um, three boys first and then a a girl. (laughs) And so our, our, our home life and parenting has been fairly (laughs) aggressive in nature. (laughs) And how, how do we navigate that without physically like restraining them or like taking them to their room? And the older it gets, the more I'm conscious of the fact that they they do have their own bodies that parent like yeah when are we violating our children by just forcing them to do something and and yet how do we kind of to your point of the the foyer and running around in the church- like how do we help them realize their attitude is also affecting the rest of the the home
1: I don't have a specific answer i one thing is like some children I feel like have a hard time processing what they're feeling, and I think like with our oldest son, some of the The anger that I was seeing and just the extreme, like pushback and frustration was just not maybe a lot of um, adrenaline or whatever going on and his not being able to resolve that and process it and deal with it. And I don't know, actually, I think it would not have hurt to pursue therapy or, yeah, I'm not, okay, I don't have an easy answer for you because I think, there's something else going on when a child reaches that. Like, obviously it's not connecting. Like the um, the logic of it is not connecting, which happens when you're very emotional. But at the same time, you have to protect, you have to look at the power dynamic between the children. And if it's roughly equal and there's some scrapping and stuff going on, that does not concern me. Like, like if there's an older one with a lot of power over a younger one, mm. physically and verbally, or... Um, or vice versa. Sometimes the younger one can be really sneaky, and an older one with less control of their emotions and stuff can just get so frustrated. So I think that's something to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. We. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. We definitely have that dynamic where you're you're saying, or what I assumed you were referring to is that the younger one may be as much or more at fault, but because the older mm-hmm. one isn't as control with of their emotions. They're the one that gets noticed and called out. Yeah. What, what do you say? Or maybe I'll just ask, what have you found to be the most helpful? So you've been you've been a mom, a mom of six, you've been a pastor's wife, a teacher's wife, both of those fairly demanding, mentally, emotionally involving, not just for your husband, but even for you. And in the middle of all that you've You've managed to have, and I have no clue what your daily schedule looks like in terms of writing. But you've written seven books. How do you do all of that? Navigate all of that and stay sane. Is it just Can a make personality thing
1: that I stay sane? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, or how do you regain one thing, sanity?
1: One thing is that you have to live in your season. Like I did not do much. I didn't do any kind of professional type writing until my oldest was 13. Okay. And also then I wrote once a month, well, blogging was sort of its own thing, but that was just, you could sort of fit that into the corners of your life, but writing for a newspaper that was once a month for almost 19 years. And I felt like, or Paul and I felt like that was, I could handle that. And I would speak locally once a month and then out of state once a year, for probably 20 years. So it was sort of a deliberate limiting. Hmm, yeah. And and I, I feel like, you know, so some of us, if you're a creative person or if you're a word person, you really need that outlet and that expression. And so the key is to find, find some way to make it work. And if you have a spouse that supports you and makes it possible, then You're really blessed. There were a lot of things that fell through the cracks and a lot of things I did not do. Um, My kids did not do sports. I just did not feel like I had the capacity for running to practice every day and all that. You know, we ate food, but it was not very complicated gourmet food. But yeah, just that. It was a lot And then looking back, I I probably should have set better boundaries, especially as a pastor's wife. I feel like I took on things that were not my burden to bear. So I would do even less with that than I did. Hmm. And also with writing, it's amazing how it accumulates. Like if you write a thousand words a month, it might not sound like very much, but every, you know, in three years you have a book mm-hmm So, yeah, it was yeah. I I did it very imperfectly, but you know if you, you know how it is, if you have that urge to write, it just behooves you to follow.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I enjoyed enjoyed the conversation, and I'm definitely gonna have you. Speaking of parenting, I don't know if you can hear that, but I have a child in need here.
1: Well, thank you so, for having me and for asking good questions and listening. Well, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, th- thank you. Thank you for talking. I hope. Well, the thing about podcasting is it's fun to do. And as long as I don't listen to my own episodes, then it's great. <laughs> but every time I listen to an episode, I'm like, Asher, you're talking way too much. So I hope you feel like you <laughs> had a conversation. Well,
1: I enjoyed it. And thank you very much.
0: Hey friends, thanks for listening to this. We continue the conversation. I I asked some some more raw questions about what it's been like to be an author as a woman. And then kind of a broader conversation of just kind of looking at systems when we discover we're a part of broken systems and what do we do? Uh, She had shared some stuff when we were talking ahead of the podcast. She had shared some stuff about processing different systems she's been a part of and looking back and realizing that, you know, they, they are broken, you know, they they were a part of causing damage and pain. And so I asked her like how she reconciles that, what she does with that. And, And then what do people do today when they're in the middle of a system and they realize this system is causing damage? How, how can we navigate forward in that? So if you're interested, in the expanded portion it's a good i I think we have close to 30 35 minutes extra of conversation consider becoming a member of Unfaint christianity on patreon you can access this expanded version as well as all expanded versions as well as all our deep dive essays and it's in the deep dive essays that I'm slowly leaking the next book that I'm working on. I, I kind of flesh out a chapter and then share it with my Patreon members and they can give feedback and so forth. So if you'd like to join in on that, get in on all that fun, consider becoming a basic member. It's just $10 a month on Patreon, Unfaithing on Christianity on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or just go to asherwitmer.com forward slash member and you'll be able to learn more about that. Thank you for listening. Unfeigned Christianity is brought to you by our members at Patreon. As a part of the membership program, you receive two deep dev essays a month, and expanded versions of all our podcast interviews. If you would like to become a member, visit www.asherwitmer.com forward slash member. Unfeigned Christianity podcast is also a part of two networks, the Restorative Faith Collective, where we have conversations about race, perspectives, and relationships in an Anabaptist context. To learn about more articles and podcasts, visit www.restorativefaithcollective.org. The second network is the Kingdom Outpost, where we talk about what it looks like to live as Jesus's nation in today's world. For more podcasts and articles, visit KingdomOutpost.org. Thanks for listening.